It's Sean and Kevin's Infinite Movie Crisis. Roll the dice. Accept your movie fate. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sean. the wine map of California. Sean, and wait, what? Wait, we got to talk about these. You got to clear this with me before we, yeah, we, we do it again. We, Run we it again. All right, no. all right. Welcome to Sean and Kevin's Infinite Movie Crisis. My name's Sean Barry, and joining with me as always is... It's Kevin Coldren. How are you all doing today? Who are you talking to? I, you don't have an audience in front of you? No. Oh, I got like 50 people. They've been watching us bullshit for 20 minutes before I started the show. Very upset. <laughs> it was a, I'm just imagining the the thing from from fucking Fallon, like boo, bitch. <laughs> That's might as well be it. Throw a pizza. <laughs> All right, this is a podcast where we talk about movies, Kevin. And how do we talk about these movies, Kevin? Well, every week we have to pick a movie to watch, and we have a, a running list of ten movies we rank from one to ten. One being the absolute worst, ten being the absolute best, and then we roll a die every week to figure out what we watch next week. So last week I rolled a five, Sean, and I'm I'm sorry about that. Yes, Kevin rolled a five, and Kevin, do you feel ashamed of yourself? I don't, not particularly, but like we had to do this at some point because we what did. did we watch, Sean? We watched 2014's Frank. Which we've mentioned, I think, multiple times on the show of like, ah, I don't want to watch Frank. You know why? So, again, back to the origin of us making this podcast in general. We were hanging out one night, and we we're talking about all the movies we wanted to watch. We had a tough time to decide, so we put together the list. Yep, and then, the list. And then, and then the list formed into, let's, ooh, let's rank the, the things. Yep. And we're trying to think of like what a movie is that... The first you know, five we watched was back the, when this one of the first episodes on this feed was Wolverine. Exactly. X-Men Origins Wolverine, the first five we watched. But then we put together, like, what would, what would we replace that movie where, like, you know, we could see that there's something there, but it does not execute at all. And then we thought about it, of all the movies, because we saw a lot of movies together in college. A yeah, lot. We, we, we did a mix because we, 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 we did school. We, you know, we did school. We uh, did school. We, we, we did our schooling in, in Ithaca, New York, where... You have the mall on the other side of the valley from where we were, which we'd see all the big sh- big movies, all the big productions and blockbusters. And then we had another little local local establishment called Cinemopolis, which is exactly that that one pretentious movie theater, the you know like one town over that you you like. How are they still in business? Like the reason Cinemopolis was in business because it was in Ithaca, New York, full of pretentious people like us. A hundred percent. Cinemopolis. I will say it's a very fun local indie theater. You should support your local indie theaters. I love that. I love that theater because then you like, will. Sometimes the not for everybody. The movies are sometimes not for everybody. And you, but yeah, and sometimes that's the beauty of film, though. Sometimes you want to experiment. Oh, sure. Because, like, you know, last week we talked about the Italian job. And I cannot think of a more different movie to this this than Frank, right? Like, Frank and Italian job, polar opposites of filmmaking. Polar opposites. Yeah, I guess. You know, I would actually say there if we're on a spectrum, right, where Italian job is, like, right down the middle of the most vanilla-ass movie you could possibly think of, right? Yeah. This is a very strange and weird movie that is a Cinemopolis movie. It's how I describe weird and strange movies. Mm -hmm. There is a movie that is relevant to the discussion that I also saw in Cinemopolis a couple years later that's in the same vein that I think goes further into the weirdness. I don't think you've seen it. Have you seen Swiss Army Man? I have not seen Swiss Army Man, but I know what you're talking about. Because I remember yeah. you, you messaged me about it. It's like, this looks like Frank 2.0. I don't want to see it. Then you did see it. It was like, actually, I liked it a lot. That's the thing. Is that <laughs> with, with, that's the thing. Is that with, with And like, I'll give this treatise right now. I'll give this, this, this reason why I, I say that. Because conceptually, both are very strange, right? This one's about an indie band with a dude who never removes this paper mache helmet, which I'm sure you'll come up with, with in trivia. This is based on a real person. This is 100% uh, yeah. based on a real person. We'll no, talk about we'll, it in a second. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah, get we'll, get, we'll get there. But like, So we've we got this weird concept here, right? And it's a strange movie and all that. Swiss Army Man is about a dude who finds a corpse that can do anything, played by Daniel Radcliffe, who then comes back to life slowly and can still do it. has like magic powers. It's fucking bizarre. But here's the difference, Sean. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference, is that if you're on this line of like of like this is a weird movie, and if you fall one way, it's really like not great, and then you fall another way, and it's actually pretty good. The I think the difference between these two movies is the is that this movie leaves me feeling empty and sad. Yes, and then Swiss Army Man leaves you feeling weird but hopeful and like you had a good time, and that's why I love that movie. It leaves you feeling good, and that is not how I felt today, sir. Now, I'm one to say, I don't think you need to have that feeling when walking away from a movie. 
I uh, I don't. And Kevin, oh, you here's don't. A, you don't need that. But yeah. if it's a weird movie, I would much rather walk away feeling good. Exactly. And you know, there's a lot. I, we'll get into this later. There's a lot of people who love this movie. Like it's love got a seven on IMDb, man. Seven on IMDb. I I was looking through for other people's hot takes. A lot of positivity for this movie. Yeah, and I can kind of see why. Like I can also see why with Swiss Army Man. If you said that movie fucking blows. I understand because mm. it's fucking weird, you know. See, I feel like a lot of these fall into the they premiere at Sundance Film Festival, which the, the movie, yep, yep, which yep. this movie did did do. And the thing at Sundance Film Festival is like that's not where, obviously this is where movies are trying to get sold and uh, bought and sold by distributors to you know put out to the general markets. They're usually they're independent cinemas. So they usually got some uh, funding from independent cinema, either private in, uh, investors or the filmmakers themselves, or you know some sort of like you know you're not getting from a big budget studio. Where basically you have more free reign to make more creative and artistic choices, mm-hmm. but at the same time your movie's probably not making. Uh, hopefully, it will at least make its money back. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the most successful, I think, Sundance film of all time is still uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Yep, I, th- yep. I think that made over a hundred million dollars and a couple Oscar nominations. And I remember you know, that was like a lot of people knew about that movie. Before, and it's like, yeah, and yeah. it's bo- it's pretty beloved. I think at this point is that like oh uh, four something like that? Oh four or five? I'm gonna say oh five. I don't know. I know what you're talking about, though. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, this is it, it, it is a staple, and I've seen a lot of them. I do, I do want to one day actually just go to the Sundance Film Festival. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, hell I, yeah. Hopefully one day bring in my own film. Where Where is, absolutely, where is Sundance Film Festival? It's uh, right in uh, uh, Salt Lake City in Utah. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's a, well, it's based, Robert Redford founded it, obviously, based on, and he called the Sundance for the Sundance Kid yep, that he played, yep. obviously, in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, it's a little local thing. It's, you know, it's one of the most popular attractions of the entire city. Uh, you, you always some, see them in the in the Oscar Beatty or like these like the Cinemopolis movie yeah. trailers like premiered at Sundance Film Festival. Ex- it, it, exactly that. It, like it, audience it, well, like audience award or whatever. Yeah. It is one of the funniest things because it, they have it every January in Utah and Salt Lake City. So it's just downpouring of snow. So it's the best it time. Is. I've never even thought about that. Yeah, it's almost like I used to think it was in the summer, but I realized that's a uh, can out in uh, France. Right. I always I when I imagine the Sundance Film Festival because of the name, I imagined Arizona. I imagined like Flagstaff, Arizona is what you, I imagine. You do think that, and there's other there's there's uh, so many film festivals now. It's ridiculous. Hey Sean, uh, we got to stop beating around the bush. We got to fucking talk about. France. Well, no, I think I think this does. Add, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I think it does add to the well because like, this is such an indie like. I my opening note I have on this is uh, you can't have an indie film without your protagonist staring out into water at some point. Oh, I I, I wrote down sad man on a sad beach. <laughs> like that's just how you open an indie movie. So yep. why don't why don't we break down uh, in full what uh, Frank is? Yeah, give me the give me the background information. Give me some stuff, baby. Frank Frank is about John, a young wannabe musician, discovers he's bitten off more than he can chew when he joins an eccentric pop band led by the mysterious and enigmatic. This movie was directed by Lenny Abrahamson. Uh, who's a very good director. He directed uh, Room with uh, Brie oh, Larson, okay. which yep, he got yep, nominated yep. for a Best uh, you know, Academy Award for, which he won mm-hmm, Best Actress for. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. also did... Um, did you watch uh, Normal People on Hulu? No, but I've heard it's good. I know of it. Very good. I watched it a couple months ago. It's a very yeah. good show. I re- highly recommend it. Uh, this was written by Peter Strahan and John Ronson, based on the newspaper article by John Ronson. So John Ronson, Kevin, I'll tell you right now, uh, a little trivia, he was... he. He he was John in this movie. He uh, he played oh, with Chris Sievs okay. right. uh, in his, in a different band. It's it's not a one to one adaptation. There's a lot of liberties taken, right? But yeah, this is based mildly based on his life. As we'll keep going forward, the cinematographer is James Mathers, and the music was by Stephen Rennix. All original music for this the film. Film stars Michael Fassbender as Frank, Domhnall Gleeson as John, Maggie mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal as Clara, Scoob McNary as Don, Carla Azar as Nana, and Francois Seville as Buddy. And like it's just again like a lot of these movies that we've been watching recently, small cast at least as far as the center goes, you know. Yeah, small, intimate cast. But I mean, again, we're used to the Avengers nowadays where there's like 18 bajillion people, so like... Oh, yeah, I prefer small cast full of, you know, good, rich characters. You which get to we, know them better, yeah. You do get to know them better. And, you know, it's not like these people are nobodies. Like, no, they're no, all, no, no, like... No, no, no. Uh, the movie was released on May 9th, 2014. It made $16,000 opening weekend. Oof, uh, that's like... Oh, boy. But then went on to gross $600,000 domestically... And $1.9 million worldwide on a budget of $1 million. So by no means just a flop. Yeah, it made its money back. And like a million dollars is literally these days. Nowadays, as far as an international release goes, you'd agree with me. That is a shoestring budget. That's nothing. Right? That is yeah. absolutely nothing. Like, 
Like I feel uh, like the, the stars in this movie, who like you said, are not not nobodies. None, none of them got paid. I, I, I didn't can't, think so, right? I, I imagine all of them read the script and liked it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like fat, like 2014. I mean, Donald Gleason at the time was more up and coming. Yeah, like this was one of the first movies I was like, wait, I kind of know that guy. Like it's, yeah. I had seen him in a few things at this point. Yeah, he was. This is he does. Well, you know, he does the same the same time this year. It's Ex Machina. Which is way, mm-hmm. way bigger and way mm-hmm. bigger uh, mm-hmm. of a hit. Scoob McNary, he's still he's a guy who's really good. He pops up in a lot of things. Yep. And Fassbender, yep. he's already he's doing the X Men movies at this time. He's 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 a star, but he's also a guy who just you know kind of does what he wants. I think he's supremely talented, but he's not he's he, not aloof. If that makes sense, he's willing to do a blockbuster. Yes, know? I think he is. He's not he's a guy who's not pretentious. Like he's like yeah, I'm gonna do stuff so people see my face. Yeah. And my sexy, sexy body. He's he's an attractive man. I can't. I was going to make a joke there. I'm like, nah, man. He's a good. Nah, looking he's dude. just a good. He's just a good looking, he's charismatic. A good looking dude. He's a like God. When in X Men uh, First Class, when he throws the knife at the guy, brings it back, and then swivels his hair and takes a drink. I'm not gonna lie, my dick turned over a few times. <laughs> Well, like it's a like an engine starting in the yeah, morning. like like a bum, 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 like a, it, you know, like when your dick kind of unfolds a little bit. Just one of those. Keep digging that hole, baby. Keep going. Hey, Keep listen, going. listen, sexuality is a spectrum, Kevin. I have no qualms with what I said. <laughs> this movie currently sits with a 7.0 on IMDb, a 75 on Metacritic, and a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus. Uh, we're in the minority on this one, I think. I think we are. And we'll talk about it in just a second. Yeah. The film, Kevin, was nominated for one Golden Trailer Award for Best Independent Poster. <laughs> I mean... If it's the trailer, on, if there's a poster on Wikipedia, I'm looking at. Is it the one with Frank running towards the like the front with his arms outstretched? Like that's a good poster. I, I think know. it's I think it's the one on IMDb okay. where it's just the Frank head. Okay, that's a weird award to win. Is all I'm saying. It, it is a very weird, very specific award. I mean, good for the person who made the poster. Good for you, bud. Like yeah, good. I, no, good. Good for them. I hope it was an intern in the marketing department. Movie posters are bad nowadays, you know. Oh yeah, they're all really generic, and and everyone's like looking off to the side. And I mean, know, yeah, we talked about it on the Gotham podcast when we did the episode of Spider Man. Of the Spider-Man uh, Homecoming poster, that's just an atrocious mess. Well, okay, that's a special occasion. That's a special exception because not only is it generic, it's objectively horribly made. Like it's really poorly made. I'm always like, what does it cost to just hire an artist to come up with an original movie poster? Oh, dude, yeah. Like the like when I uh, one of my favorite like cinematic experiences that I've had was my uh, my old friend from high school Ben and I when I was home on like I think it was like Thanksgiving break back in junior year we saw uh, Interstellar and IMAX. Which was really cool. Like, it was mm-hmm. well worth the money. Like, that was probably the best way to see it. Thank you, Christopher Nolan, um, mm-hmm. yeah. for being a pretentious dick about IMAX. But uh, mm-hmm. the the thing was, like, when we went, it was still kind of early in the release of the movie. And uh, we had to, we paid a, you know, a good amount of price for the tickets. It was like, you know, $20, $22. But we got a free, like, little poster uh, uh, that was like this limited run Interstellar poster. It was It was really cool artistic style of the wave scene with like the the like it riding the wave and like i love a unique poster it's great you know no i i love the uh, unique poster you never, do you remember mondo posters no well vaguely yes what was yeah it? they were really popular like five six seven years ago yeah where this guy was just taking uh usually superhero films or other like big big films and then just kind of make them kind of more like 1940s noir oh, posters. And they're go. really okay. cool. Yeah, I like, remember this now. Yes. yes and I'm always like, why don't you guys just hire this guy to do your shit? I'm like, you could sell these posters and make more money. People I, like I think it. there's a, there's a market, I, I would like to think so, where you've got the main poster you have in the theater, right? The one that's on the on the wall for like when you come out of the movie theater. You're like, oh, I guess we'll see that next time. You know, like that kind of thing. But... There's also a market for like people who want the cool alternative poster. You know, I love that stuff. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like it's like for me anyway. This is a really specific nerdy thing I do. Have you ever mm-hmm. noticed like nowadays video game uh, covers you can flip them inside out? Yes, I and love doing that. I like that too. Yeah. Why not? Why not do that for movies? I guess it's probably because they don't like spending money. If they don't, they're gonna make a shit ton of money. Kevin, with that, I have uh, one question for you. Okay, I, I gotta say, I gotta say, I gotta say. Uh, like, I, before we get into individual moments in this movie, I, I just want to give an overarching 
Here's what I thought of the movie. Can I can I give you that? Please, please do, please do. So the movie's an hour and a half long. It wasn't like it wasn't the longest hour and a half of my life. It wasn't the shortest either. I gotta say, the movie's really two halves. I like back in the we've talked about this off mic before. I think where I remember seeing it and thinking the beginning was boring, the middle was great, and then the end was was bad. Yes. This time, I think actually the beginning is solid. I think the I think the first forty five minutes if not to the halfway point of the movie, are all really actually quite good. I don't know about quite good, but solid. Solid good. I completely agree with you. I, and then I, I, it just falls off a cliff. It does. And it's this weird thing I was writing. And I got, it's because I understood this movie a lot better on the second viewing. Yes. I think, I think we're a little older. We've seen some more things. We understand like what they were going for. I think, I think one of the fundamental things of the movie is the band itself is supposed to be bad. It's supposed to be ridiculous, right? Yes. You know why? I remember when we saw the original trailers, it makes this this much more pop indie movie that's more funny and outrageous than it is, as opposed to this is a you're a typical crappy indie band who doesn't act most of them don't have any real desires other than to make the music right. and kind of, you know, be up their own assholes. Like that's what uh I've met so many Maggie Gyllenhaal's characters in my life. I was life. gonna say, all right. I've cool. met yeah, yeah. so many. And the realization that John is the guy we're not supposed to like the whole time. He's an asshole. He's the he's the villain. He's an absolute villain. And he because he's a guy who who doesn't have any talent and he wants to be famous and he's jealous and envious of others. And you know, he's like he you know, that those just lines he's singing to himself on in his hometown, you're like, Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> so basically my, my treatise on the movie is that the first like uh, the structure of the movie is like the prologue is where he's a sad man in a sad town. He gets big air quotes discovered by this band, mm-hmm. goes off with them. That's the prologue. The, yeah. s- the first act is making the album in, yes. the, in the woods. I actually yes. like. I like it. I think I like that it. part of the movie is a seven. I mm-hmm. think it's like solid. Yes. And then the dude kills himself. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie is a fucking three. Mathematically, it averages out to a five. <laughs> I agree. I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if the rest of the movie is a three. I think it's terrible. It's boring and depressing as It's depressing, but there's some parts where I really liked I would have rather seen more of that, which is Frank's actual psychosis. Because the more I saw that, the more I really did like to see of, oh, hey, I forgot he takes off the hat, the the paper mache hat. No, I remember that. I do remember that. I completely forgot about that. And I was really like, okay, this is a guy who's really, you know, gone through the ringer. And like, the idea that he's... You know, John, uh, Tom Gleason's character, is envious and jealous of this guy's talent the entire time. And then the reveal that this thing is actually plaguing him and hurting him the whole time. And there's nothing for him to be jealous of. Like, this is this is his, you know, this is his burden to bear. And his music is the only way he can escape. I think it does a great job of showcasing what a piece of shit uh, John... John is uh, Donald Gleason. I just, I, I was so bummed. But I will agree with you that, like, fuck, getting there is rough yeah uh it's as soon as the dude kills himself like everything leading up they go to south by southwest which is wild everything leading up to that is like awkward and slow and not funny and just i i it's it felt like two different people directed each half of the movie to me it did i think i do think it was a purposeful choice yeah it probably Um, was it does feel like a complete unit of what they're trying to say i guess don't like i liked it more than the last time i saw it same. Oh, I, I expected to be like, Ugh, but like, again, the first half of the movie, not even like, I used to think the be- beginning was boring. I think the first half of the movie is really solid. Yeah, just knowing the darker sense of humor that this movie has. Because again, this movie opens with the previous uh, keyboardist trying to drown himself and kill himself. It was kind of a funny scene, actually. I thought no, it was, it's, it's, I thought no, it was it's funny. very funny. It's very funny. And that's how like John... Also seeing a police interaction in which the guns aren't pulled. <laughs> Well, that's it. That's England for you. I know. They're like, oi, stop that. All right. America, they would have just shot him. And they're like, we were trying to shoot the water to save him. <laughs> we're trying to, we're trying to, we're, the water was so scary. We're trying to take the water out. I guess we got, we can go. Th- it's, it's a hard movie just to like go through every normally do. Uh, um, yes. Well, because what, what I'll say about the first half, uh, you know, there's moments I want to talk about, but like, see if you agree with me. I think the first half of this movie, like, them Mm -hmm. meeting going together to ireland to write this album that whole sequence like 50 minutes probably 50 55 minutes somewhere in there roughly that yeah yeah actually no it's not the majority of the movie i think it is 45 i think it's like exactly i think it's actually early i think it's like 40 minutes is that okay what that is well this first act anyway first part of the major story part of the movie 
I think is a diet Wes Anderson movie. Yes. I think well, that's what it is. I think, well, because again, I think we're conditioned to be trained to what this kind of movie is, where in which we have seen this movie before. I can't name what I've seen it in. Where it is that classic guy who has no talents going in, going off with this band and then, dis- you know, either discovering himself or the band discovers themselves through this, you know, clashing and being isolated in the woods together. I, I like that they, they, I agree with you. I agree that like mm-hmm. consistently, I-, I get it more this time that our protagonist has no talent. Like that's just there. Well, that's the thing is he has zero talent at all, which and I then, think like there's this part a year in where he's like, wait, this is bloody good. Like in a normal movie, it would have been like, he had this secret talent the whole time. It's like, nah, man, you still suck, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> and he still sucks. And then Frank still takes over his crappy song and makes it better. Uh, he makes it different. It's a different song. It's a completely <laughs> different song. Yeah. So I, I got, if we want to go through the movie piece by piece, this beginning section that I remember not liking the first time, but liking now, yeah. the, what you play, that little clip of him singing to himself in his head yeah. is really funny. I, I like, I get it this time that he's supposed to have no talent. Is yeah. this what it's like to walk around trying to write stand-up comedy? Well, that's that's why I liked him more. Is I understand that world of what he's in so much. Yeah, exactly. Of trying of, of trying to do something you really want to do, but you have no knack for it, and then yeah. you see, and you're getting jealous and envious of others, and you're working a shitty job you don't like, and you're trying to reach out, but you don't have it. It's that, and there's something relatable about that. But this guy, but John Donald Gleason is just so narcissistic to a certain point where he's like he thinks can, he's really good yeah he does think he's good he just hasn't found it yet you know who he is he's that he's that dude you went to high school with who's now a soundcloud rapper and keeps posting on facebook that's who he is yeah he really is at least he doesn't do that did you catch how many twitter followers he has at the beginning i didn't i, I meant to write it down because he obviously it grows throughout the film but big old uh, 14 14 that there you go that's not even your family members no <laughs> it's not um, I wrote, I wrote down one of the things he was like, this kind of dates the film too, of how much just tweeting about his life and how these things kind of mid go mid, like the idea of these things yeah. going mini viral. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, well, that's, that's a different era because now well, it would be the instant you post that, they, somebody would just call you a Nazi and, uh, right. right. <laughs> it, uh, like, especially on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, Twitter's a hell. Twitter's a hell hole. Uh, we all know this, but, uh, it is known. Yeah. It's, it's, I appreciate that kind of subplot of. I was actually going to bring this up is that, yeah, once like every once in a while it shows him tweeting something, shows how many followers he's getting. It's like him trying to chronicle his journey with the band or whatever. And he grows mm-hmm. to like 2000 followers or whatever. And then he thinks that they're getting really popular because a clip he posted on YouTube got tw- like 2,500 views or something. like 27,000 views. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's 27,000 yeah, views. You're right. You're right. I, th- I thought it at first, I thought that that's what the movie actually thought was big and popular. I was like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? I, I wrote that down, too. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. They think that would be viral. And then but they then, reference it. Then they do Then they do reference and call it. I was like, that's nothing. You need at least a half a million for it to be anything. And I'm like, oh, okay. This film, that's what. Well, that's why I, got, I liked it more. Because this thing it is smarter than I thought it was. All right, so we're going to keep going through. Let's, let's say, all right, so he's trying to come up with music and sing along. He has something. He keeps going back to this beach every day where he stares out of the ocean longingly. That's when he discovers Lucas, the... Uh, the keyboardist for Suffer there, the band, uh, trying to drive I, I saw, himself. I saw the band name and I was like, yeah, I saw a band like that in Ithaca a couple times. Like, I wrote that. Well, then then he goes, he gets, in, he puts himself out there to join the band. She's like, I play the keyboard. And then uh, they're like, can you play C, D, and F? And he's like, yeah. All right, come meet us. You're in the band. It was like, not how that works at all, but okay. But I think it's funny though, because that is what they do. They don't have any real music that they play. They just right. make noises. Then I thought that that's when we get the introduction of Frank which is so subtle where he just comes out wearing a paper He just comes shirt. out. Like, there's no buildup. It's just he's there. He's just there. And then the performance ends when uh, Clara, a.k.a. Maggie Gyllenhaal, just gets shocked <laughs> from to death. It's this whole thing. Again, I mentioned it earlier. One of my notes is like, I fucking get it now. This band is supposed to be bad. You're supposed to roll your eyes because one of their major players plays a fucking theremin. <laughs> Come on. Yes. They're, they're a pretentious, shitty indie band, which, again, we saw plenty of in Ithaca. I know. And like I, my, I have a friend from from uh, from those days who would always like recommend these random ass artists on Spotify. Like, dude, no, I don't want. I don't want to listen. To this. Like, this yeah, is no. just noise. I, I'm I'm good. I I like my my musician musicians to be able to play instruments well in a harmony that I enjoy. <laughs> what can I say? I'm basic. It's like it's like the, the kids today with these fucking uh, mumble rappers. I hate. It's like this is a music. Alert! Alert! Uh, uh, approaching old man territory. <laughs> it's not. It's not music. God damn it! 
John, we're losing our listener. Our listener. No, they'll 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 keep listening. They're old it's men. Ben too. Affleck, we're losing them. Benny, no, Ben Ben's on our side for this. I mean, he's gonna try and bang a nineteen year old, but he's not gonna listen to their music. I know, I know. That's that is his his mo. So then Frank invites John to become a full member of the band. Uh, he agrees they go to Ireland to spend a year in a remote cabin while they worked on their recording album debut. That's when we can, can get me more of the band. Now, I really liked Scoop McNary's Don a lot. Because he reveals, I did. I appreciated him. I did. I thought he was good. He, because he's very funny. He's all, And he talks about how he met Frank in a mental institution. <laughs> he talks about how he used to fuck mannequins, which is a subtle running joke that's referenced later. That it, I think it's yes, actually it quite is. funny. He used to fuck mannequins. And do you know what the name of one of his uh, mannequins was they mentioned? I didn't catch that. What was the name? Caroline Cuntley. That's what it was. That's what it was. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is quite funny. And then we see Clara has an immediate disdain for John because he's the outsider. And then there's a Frenchman and then a random girl. Drummer. <laughs> like they're, they're, it's, I do like that part of the band's like, yeah, they're part of the band. Okay, I, we're going to reference them later. I wrote them down. They're just the other ones. They're just also yeah. in the band. <laughs> There's the other ones. They, they are the other two. I wrote down another staple of a true indie film. Of, we're going to shoot in as little locations as possible. <laughs> we got we got water, and we got them in a cabin in the woods with, with lots of space. And where that's they like don't, half the movie. <laughs> and that's most of the movie. I love the scene when... So this whole sequence is probably my favorite part of the movie. Mm. Not not necessarily the actual recording of the album, but like the lead up to it. Like yes. There's like two montages. Like what The first one, when they first get there there's a part where frank is just chasing john with a shovel and i think it's really fucking funny yeah there's a lot of funny stuff like that where he's just chasing uh frank with the shovel frank shaking john with the shovel they're like screaming i'm trying to get the theremin like uh clara says one time if you touch my don't you ever touch my fucking theremin again yeah exactly (laughs) uh you know she's the worst in a good way. Yes. She, She's the worst. Again, I've said I've met a million one Claras in my life. I'm so, I'm uh, sorry, bud. <laughs> it's all right. I keep trying to date them. Uh, <laughs> what, what was that last part? I, I, I missed uh, you. I, I, don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, they, we find out they're dead broke after a month of paying the cabin's rent. Yep. Uh, J- John then offers to pay his grandfather's inheritance to complete the album. Because John's a lunatic. Yeah. yeah. He's just a bad person. Like, and he's like expecting something from it, I guess. Like he's expecting to get famous from it, essentially. I guess you know. Yeah, he's well. He's expecting this star and fandom, and like because he he does see like these are getting some traction, but in all the illegal videotapes and his live journal and blog and shit he keeps posting up there. Ugh. He's like, oh, everyone's loving this. Everyone loves me. Of uh, this is again yeah, just a pretentious asshole. Yeah, I mean, he's the you know. Uh, there's still more I want to talk about in this section of the movie, but like, as far as he goes, he's the one who ends up pushing them. To go to South by Southwest and like do this big performance, it destroys them. It really does. It does. It's none of the things they, that they stand for or want. You know, like he wants all the things they don't care about. Yeah, then we get some more funny stuff. We get the scene of Frank has us all relaxing and then they're doing karate with him in the Frank head. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, and my they... God. I, I love in, the, in that same montage, the very beginning. When he's like, yeah, and Frank came up with his own musical, like his own musical notation system, and it's like this weird kaleidoscope wheel, and I was like, oh, fuck off! Like, in a you good know, way. we've funny. heard so many stories like this of asshole musicians just ruining their bands' lives, of them going away, and then being like, you know, like uh, uh, who's the lead singer of the uh, of uh, the Beach Boys? Oh, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson, he you know, like shit like that, uh, or like it, it's just so many stories where you hear like, oh, the artist gets too involved in trying to make that next album. Oh, yeah, they talk about making new instruments, you know? Like, yeah, new, new in- instruments, new sounds. They're just screeching. There's a time where he's playing the keyboard and he just starts, like, screaming like a baboon on it. Um, <laughs> or, or, like, uh, they shut a door and record it and he's like, that sound? Make a whole album out of that sound. Like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. is like, I feel like if this is this is the part of the movie I want where it's to be more. It's more of a satire of indie musicians. That's yeah, If this was the whole movie, I'm in. Yeah. In my but, opinion, I don't know. But then, well, that's the thing. Is because, like, then, basically, they, they start on the precipice of finishing the album. They kind of finally do, quote-unquote. Oh, uh, before before they finish the album, did you notice that in, in between scenes, uh, Dom Hall Gleason, in a effort to get better at writing music, bought a fucking master class? Yes, he bought a master class. <laughs> and then he tries to do it by, then he's like, would you shave without moving your hand? And then he just scraps up in his face. Again, funny. Yeah. It's like, uh. like I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this first half. Like, it isn't in, in line mostly with what I remember of the movie. So then, this is where I think that this is where the twist of the movie comes. Where, like, this movie's not about an indie band or satire of music or any of that stuff. The movie's about depression, right? Like, that's what it ultimately comes down to because the band finishes and then we all wake up after they all had a, a fun night of, you know, they all wake up in bed together. I think it's, I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if I go about depression. It's part of it. I would go more, it's about 
people have issues and is it right to lean into them or to face them like cold turkey right that's that's what i got out of it all right that's true i guess yeah. about, I, I think about that because this is their second suicide attempt and first successful one where they walk outside and they see frank's head hanging hanging it's, right it's, there it's, yeah it's almost like well then it's revealed to be Don, that's revealed said. to be Don in in uh, the head, which is just dark, like really which dark, is, which is so dark. And he, he says just earlier, wants to be Frank, right? Like that's the interpretation, right? Exactly, because he warns John the whole time. At some point, you're going to find yourself resenting him and wanting to be him at the same time, right? And I'm like, that's the point of like, oh, you you want to be you know this musical genius, which Frank just isn't that, right? There's just, there's a there's a bit at the funeral where he was like, oh, he was the best keyboardist we ever had, and it's like, yeah, the keyboardists keep killing themselves. And the only thing I could think of was a better version of that, in my opinion, one that doesn't make me feel terrible about myself, is the joke from This Is Spinal Tap where the drummer keeps exploding. That's a much better version. <laughs> I think that is Because that joke. movie's fucking hilarious. Then they cremate him with a f- Viking funeral pyre. Uh, and they put they put a mannequin leg out there, which I thought was funny. And they put a, I did think that was funny, too. At what point does at what point does the hate fuck in the tub happen? Right after that. Okay, it's right after it. Okay. Right after that, where like that's the she, last scene I thought was good. <laughs> yes, same here. Um, that's when like all right, the things are starting to move across, and like we gotta go to South by Southwest. And the thing is, without Don's influence, is John's able to start taking over the group a little bit because he you know he paid for fucking everything and he feels entitled right, right, to right. it. And then so he's just smoking in the tub, and then Maggie Jill and all calls him out into shit, and then uh, she just hate fucks him, and he of course because he's a narcissist is like. So things gonna be awkward. Everybody else thinking now that we're together, and she just laughs in his fucking face, which is great. You know, it's funny you, you the way you said that in a good way. Like I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong. I, I agree with what you said. I think the the mindset I was in the first time I saw this, I was on Dom Hall Gleason's side. You know, like he yeah. was our protagonist. Like, how am I not supposed to side with this guy? You know? Yes. And, and I, and well, so I guess that is good. I guess so. It is one of those rare things of like, yeah, it is weird to just have kind of a protagonist with almost no redeeming value. He's. We don't it's, want him to succeed in any way in this movie. Yeah. It's yeah, it's weird. It's very depressing. It is depressing. Uh, so then they hate fuck, and then they convince him to go to South by Southwest. Then we get a straight up them dumping the ashes scene of of Dawn into the thing. And it's it not a weird scene. Weird scene. Then, then we're getting a little bit of like, oh, two girls come to greet him, the ones who booked them. It's like, we well, we know who you guys are. And then uh, they reveal more of like, you guys had 27,000 views. Like, yeah, you need like half a million for, to be relevant. Yeah, like, that's not a lot. And everyone's starting to break apart and Frank's starting to lose his shit because this pay, is not. Like his, again, Michael Fassbender's performance here is good because I can, I can visibly tell that he is, like, I can tell that he is uncomfortable with all of this. Right. Yeah, he's super uncomfortable with all of this, and like I think he's, I think he was an amazing performance in this. Honestly, I just, th- uh, I just think the pace at this point really. Well, the pacing, down. the pacing goes down to a snail's pace. Yeah. It's just not, just not going off. Okay, so then Frank continues has a ma- massive breakdown. Everyone abandons him. She, Maggie, Jill, and Hulk's Claire outright stabs John. Like she said, she was gonna do it, and then just fucking does it, and then. Which, like, this is how detached from reality this band is. She stabs him. A dude sees it. And then she's like, what? Why are you Why are you putting me in handcuffs? I didn't do anything. Yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. That's crazy. And then John forces uh, Frank to perform. And then Frank has just a collapse on stage. I thought he was going to take a dump on the stage. That's the, the, the position he took. He did take a, I need to take a shit. Just, just, I'm losing my shit. They move to the cheap motel together. And just a painfully uncomfortable scene of him trying of john trying to force the mask off of frank yeah but, but that that is probably where i should have been like the first time i saw this but way back when probably should have been like nah, he's the bad guy at that point we um, should have it's kind of bad that like three of my last four things i wrote down are pace really takes a d- nosedive in the second half this second half is depressing as hell Holy shit! There's 25 minutes left. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like that's the like the movie's kind of over there. It's, the, it kind of it, like it could have been a short film at a certain. Well, not a short film, but like half a no, movie. I don't know. Yeah, it does not. It didn't need to be. I think. It, I mean, with it's a hour 35 on Amazon. I think it's like an hour 29 without credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 90 minutes. So yeah, John then's like, oh, I need to redeem myself, kind of, and he searches for um, searches for him everywhere, can't find him, and then he realizes he moved back to Bluff City, Kansas, uh, where we get to see his parents. You see the scarred face of Frank and his head, and like, oh, that's the reveal of this all along. Like he's been suffering from this severe mental health issues his whole life. 
and his dad made him that that the the head. And he just never took it off. Right. Like that was that that was where the, that character was like, it was my fault, man. Like I shouldn't have let him really lean into it. Like we should have made him actually confront this. But then, like at the very end of the movie, when he's like getting back to together with the band. That's yeah. the only place in his entire like. That's what I got as the only place he has been happy his entire life is when he's with that band. Yes, a hundred percent. That is the case. That is the moral of the story. Because then they are able to get back together. He even with him without the head on, and then uh, they're all at that shitty little dive bar, and uh, John leaves the bar alone, and he's like he's done with them. Right? Like that's the that's the <laughs> I, arc I of do, the story. I just I distinctly remember being in the theater watching this, like and. Seeing him walk away, and I just thought to myself, like, wait, that was that was the fucking ending? Like, what? That's it? <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, that's that. it is. It's one of those just like, that's it? <laughs> because it's just, it's so, and maybe it's because we are trained to look for a happier ending than that. But I don't need a happy ending necessarily. I, I don't want to come off saying that, but like, I just, when the whole second half was so slow and boring and, and sad. It just bummed yes, me out. It, it does. It is. Um. That's just. That's exactly the case. So, so that that was that was Frank. That was Frank. Are you are you at a five? Is that where you're at? I could be argued to a six, maybe. <sighs> I think I could argue myself to a six too, because I yeah. think a lot Rico- of, you've convinced me, right? Like by actually talking it out with you. Yeah. I hear a lot of the points of like, yes, the second half is depressing. I think objectively, it's like too slowly paced in the second half. But there are there is a there is a character development there's character development happening and there's there's artistic intent with what's going on a hundred percent i think it's all perfectly plotted and i can see why people do really really like it but at the same time i just think it needs something one other element to just give it that extra boost it needs you know like just like another maybe like a bigger bigger scene or like a bigger budget or mm-hmm. just something to show the vitriol of like of it all breaking down but maybe that's the point it's like because there are no name band that it doesn't matter right yeah like i i think another thing that was wrong with my mindset the first time i saw the movie was like it was uh is that this band is supposed to be like a really big famous good band and it's not yeah. there's no name like bullshit band that really maybe isn't even actually that talented doesn't matter they're having fun with what they're doing exactly and i think that's the entire point right. so i guess we we'll, before we'll skip categories that we usually do let's go right into the trivia of this because this is based on the true guy yeah it was uh, uh chris chris cv chris cv uh maybe uh he was a performer in the 70s and 80s uh where he, he had the alter ego known as frank sod sidebottom where in which he wore almost an identical head and performed uh, with a band called the Freshies in the yeah, late. I saw, 70- I saw the head and I was like, "Oh, that's just the Frank head. Like that's it right there." Exactly. That's just that's that that's what he was. He was the Frank head. But at least he didn't like wear it all the time. You know, he didn't wear it. You know, he didn't wear it all the time. Just but only like in massive performance materials. I appreciate actually speaking of the mask. I appreciated that scene between Don and John where they're no Don John uh, Don where John. they're talking. It's on our list. Uh, it is on our list. Where they're talking and uh, John just keeps asking him a bunch of questions like. Yeah, but like, does he shower? Does he eat? Like, how does this work? And he's mm-hmm. literally just like, fucking, just go with it. And like, that's the uh, that's them telling the audience, like, don't fucking worry about it. Like, it's weird. Just go with it. That is a hundred percent the case. We're like, yeah, it's a weird, but just this is the story we're telling. He wears a head over his head. A yeah, a mask just over his head. Like, just don't, don't worry about it. You go. With, you watch Batman, don't you? Fucking yeah, like fuck it. off. <laughs> uh, so the writer John Ronson, really good writer. I really enjoy his work. Cool. Uh, he's written uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats. Uh, so you've been publicly shamed on the internet. Uh, the Psychopath Test, a bunch of good writing. He did perform with uh, Chris Eve, as I told him earlier. And he, like these are all loosely based on his experiences. Of He says straight out, like, him being asked to, can you play C, F, and G, good, you're in. Mm-hmm. And that's why he, mm-hmm. he said, like, yeah, I play keyboards. And, like, that's how he got in. The band that at the time was Oh Blimey Big Band. So that was uh, interesting. Now, the... In terms of recastings, they actually had a different person in mind for Frank until uh, Michael Fassbender saw the script and was like, I want to do this script. Let me guess. Was it a British actor? No, but people would definitely think he is. Was it Robert Pattinson? Ooh, pretty close. Johnny Depp. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. You can see, this is like 1997 Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and that's it's a, a very different movie. Yeah, and he it would he would have got an Oscar nomination for if it was Johnny Depp in 1997. Yeah, and quite frankly, I was really blown away by Michael Fassbender's performance in this. Uh, much more so the fir- than the first time I saw it. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's a lot there's a lot of subtle things he does that I very much appreciated this time. For sure, his ending song when you see his face and yep. like he he's able to keep that muted, but you could tell by just this tonality, just the "I love you all." Yep. It's it's great. 
Now, did you also know they performed as the live band on the Colbert Report? I heard about I've never seen it, but I, I do know. I bet it was, like, weird as hell. I did. It's weird as hell because they performed the end song there because it's the closest thing to a real song. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of what they do is just noise and nonsense. Yeah, but Fast Banner is in the helmet doing it. Yeah, of course he is. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I love like uh, like a subtle detail like when he comes out the first time, the mic cord is coming out of his helmet and he yes. like, plugs it into the mic stand. Like that's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. Then they never do that again. But I I love like the one of the first scenes where he and John are actually interacting. He has this like running thing in the dialogue where he like says his facial expression. Yes. I kind of liked it. I liked the way I liked it, it. it was good. See, again, we're, we're, we we are out of five, but you and I, we've only pretty spoken pretty positive of it so far. I just, I, I yeah, I, I gotta, I, I gotta say that I, I think a six is appropriate. I think, yeah, I'm definitely down with you to bump this up to a six. So let's do our quick awards. Best actor, I got two. I got two as well. Who do you got? Fastbender and Gyllenhaal. So I got Fastbender and Maggie. That's what I wrote down. Uh, They both yeah. kill it. I think they're they, great. They both murder these roles. Um, Jill and Hall, I can't give it to you because I've just gone on too many dates with Clara's in my life. <laughs> oh, it's Fastbender, hands down. It yeah, has to be fast. He's just, he's, the movie doesn't work without without him. Yeah. Uh, worst actor, I just put not applicable. I can't, nobody gives a bad enough performance. Down the other ones, just like. The other two? The other ones. I just wrote down, oh, the other ones, whatever. Uh, I go not not applicable. Maybe some of the people at the very end in Texas, but I, I none of it's worth well, it to I, me. I ex- the people in Texas, I would nominate for the uh, not official category yet, but the, I know it's a small part, but can we get a better actor? <laughs> okay. That I do want to make the, we're going to make that, starting next episode, that's going to be an official new category. I like that category. It's a good one. Okay. The, the, it's a small I, part, but can we get a better actor? Uh, best scene, I actually have Four. I got three. What do you got? I have John and Frank's first conversation together when they're in the cabin. I'd agree. It wasn't on my list, but you're right. I, I really like that's what I was just talking about. Yeah. Uh, Frank fighting the bass player and the chinchilla is the safe word. <laughs> the 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 karate in the helmet that scene yeah the karate yeah, in the helmet yeah, yeah. yeah. you know I, I was talking as part of the montage for preparing for the album I just love that whole sequence I think yes uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal drowning John while fucking him the hate fuck yeah it's the hate fuck <laughs> the hate, yeah she's out of the gym and the then hate I fuck in the tub I love the hate fuck in the tub. and then the only part really the second half is uh, Frank's most likable song ever Hilarious. when he's like oh I came up with a new song yeah it's Coca Cola and all these. <laughs> yeah he just starts saying like name brand shit. Yeah. You know, before we keep going, I do want to address what you said of like, yes, I know that we've mostly been talking positive about the movie. Mm. I just got to emphasize the reason it's a six, not like a seven or an eight is just because objectively the last half just drags. Like I was bored watching it. Yeah. Pacing wise, it's just too slow because I wrote down in my notes, I left my phone on the other side of the room, but there's just a lot of unnecessary establishing shots, which that is a time and true. We're padding for time. Padding for time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really had like 70 minutes of real footage. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, do you have any other best scenes? Nope, those are it. Uh, I think for me, I think my favorite is the montage preparing for the album. What's yours? I think I really like uh, the hate fucking. <laughs> I'm down with the hate fuck. The hate fuck is fucking great. The hate, the hate fucking is pretty excellent. That's the difference between watching the first time and watching the second time. The first time I was like, this scene is weird. Like, why is our protagonist in this weird situation? And I'm like, oh, wait, Maggie Gyllenhaal's also an asshole, but at least she has principles. Very much so. Worst scene. Got three. I list them off. I think we got the same. Actually, no, I, I really don't have three, but okay, I got you ready. I wrote down On Top of Old Smokey, which is the song that she's singing in the dive bar the first time they go there. Oh, yeah. I hate that whole scene because that's emblematic of how slow the second half is. It's like, we didn't need this at all. This is so slow. I want to date a lighthouse. Yeah, I don't need that. I, I no, agree. I, I did, not, did not like that. It's also just such a slow scene. Then the lead up to South by Southwest, like how uncomfortable clearly Michael Fassbender was, like mm-hmm. the character. And I'm just like, I don't like this at all. I guess it's well made, but I don't know. Just, it was just kind of weird. Yeah. And then I just wrote down the second half of the movie. <laughs> like an just, asshole. So I guess just, the only one I really don't like, I guess, if I had to. That's the problem is the second half of the movie I just know is I have this malaise about it. But to like, I think the emblematic scene for me is the being in the dive bar, seeing the band, like what they're doing after they broke up. Like, it's just so slow and unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm okay. Let's give it to that. Did you have anything different? I I, only, I had one other thing, just the voiceover of John's live journal. Yeah, oh, I was like, okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, or I'm just like, that's uh, just a weird thing. All right, Fury Road, freak of the film. I wrote everyone. Uh, everyone's weird. Yep, definitely. E- everyone's an absolute freak. Uh, it's too it's, easy it, to pick Frank. 
Too it's easy. weird. Like, I don't want to call him a freak out because he's a man with dealing with mental illness. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I guess we I, also we can't pick uh, Don either for fucking a mannequin because he kills himself. So he's dealing with mental illness as well. I know, right? <laughs> so I guess by that logic, we're gonna have to give it to the Frenchman, the French uh, bassist. Sure. Yeah. The you mean the other ones? Yeah, just those guys. Yeah. yeah. The, the the other ones. Who's our butt plug? I only got one. I got one too. I go Scoop McNary's Don. Oh, he really? Ex- okay, yeah, he- yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, you're right, because he gives the most exposition. You're right. That is the correct answer. You're right. I went with Clara, but it's only because I felt like her animosity in the first half was just there to create conflict. Like, there was no other reason for her to be that that way. But you're right. The the expositioner in this scenario is definitely Don. You're absolutely right. 100%. Uh, other people's hot takes. There's going to be, I guess there's going to be a lot of five stars in here, huh? I, I, I do my best to make sure it's all mixed up. No, I know, I know. I fell asleep 30 minutes in, woke up in the last 25 minutes, and I didn't feel like I missed anything important. It's still made, it all still made sense to me. Two stars by was Lizette. That your, was that your dad? <laughs> like, that's what I feel like my dad would say watching this one. You're like, like just fa- like fall asleep in the theater. Yeah, that that's what it was like for me in Cinemopolis watching Inherent Vice. Yeah. Remember oh, we should do Inherent Vice because I feel like that's another one of our least favorite Cinemopolis viewings. And we might enjoy it more now, too. No, people uh, do I, like- I, I, I we can do it. I agree with you. We should do yeah. it. But I, I hate that movie so fucking much. I never know how to feel about quirky indie movies that call out privileged white boy behavior by telling the story from the point of view of a said privileged white boy. Maybe it was subversive the first 700 times it was done. But now it's time to move on get those claps in there i hope they picked up three stars it's <laughs> a good take it's a good take okay i'm sorry but how does someone start a band and not do a cover of coldplay it's like the first rule of starting a band this frank guy doesn't get the rules it's hard for me to get behind the characters since he was so anti-coldplay half a star <laughs> okay by coldplay fan <laughs> we we agree that has to be a joke review right yeah, that has to be a joke review. Because that's ha- fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, I like to think it was real. I really do. Oh, God, that's funny. That is so funny. Like, would they go on to, like, Bohemian Rhapsody and do the same thing? Like, why are there no Coldplay songs in this Queen movie? Yeah. <laughs> I Love You All should have won all the awards. Literally the greatest song ever written. The film just spoke to me on a very personal level. The way John sees Frank's condition is the reason he's so talented, but later comes to realize just how much it negatively affects his life. It really moved me. Honestly, this is about one of my favorite movies of all time. Five stars by Felipe Frittaters. You know what? While I disagree with that, I am very happy that there are people in this world who enjoy this piece of art. Good for you. I'm glad. Yeah, you for sure. I, I I have no problem. People really like this movie. Upon this rewatch, I think there is stuff to like. I think the stuff that doesn't work for us just that's on us. Yeah, and like I stand by what I said at the beginning about like this versus Swiss Army Man. Like I love Swiss Army Man. If you're gonna come at me and say I hate Swiss Army Man, I understand. It's okay. And I think at this point, watching this again. I think about the same way with this movie. If you come at me and you're like, I really like this movie. I'm like, all right, it's not for me, but I get it. Like, there's things in there you can enjoy for sure. Uh, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? No. And this movie, it does not. No, it does oh, okay. not. okay. I was like, you're not going to tell me? <laughs> just move on. No. <laughs> just, no. Uh, <laughs> movies that, does this movie say the title in the film? Yes, it does. They yes, say Frank, Frank quite yep, often. Yep, yep. And that's all of our categories. Damn. All right. Yeah. I, I, I like... I didn't like it, but I didn't not like it. It was very right down the middle. I think a six is appropriate. You would be. I think I'm with it on the six because I've learned to appreciate it more. Yeah, it's not as bad as the initial viewing. Sure. Yeah, I'll go with. Yeah, that. it's yeah. definitely something I'm glad. It's a very I'm, I'm different li- six than Oblivion. Let me put it that way. <laughs> it's very different six than Oblivion and Italian Job. <laughs> Just a whole range of there. I'll put it in here. How uh, how nervous are you, buddy? Eh, you know. We'll see. It's, well, first, we, first thing we have to do is replace yes, our uh, yes, our do. five here in Frank. I'll read off what we're what could possibly replace this. Are you gonna go six to one or one to six? What are you gonna do? One to six. So bottom. Right. We, that's the new rule. So one six underground. Ooh, that's. A, we'll keep going. Two 1984's Doom. Oh, Dune. Not Doom. Three Dune. Dune. Three Garden State. Four the Commuter. Is that, a, is that a Liam Neeson vehicle? That is a Liam Neeson vehicle. Okay, keep going. Five, Obsessed. I believe that is the Beyonce Knowles, Idris Elba, Ali Larder film. Oh God, I don't know. And six, Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. That was rough, my friend. Yeah, five five might be the worst game. Not a lot of winners here. <laughs> Not a lot. All right, Kevin, roll the six-sided die. Tell us what we got now. Oh boy, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's six underground. Oh no! 
Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> there weren't any winners. There weren't any Fuck winners. you. Okay. For the record, the reason I put that out as a five, because I'm the one who said it should be a five. I saw the movie with my dad, and it's bad, but I had fun watching it with my dad, and that's all that's important. Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> Fuck you. All right, put it in. And then, re- right. then, then read off our top, our, our current ten from yeah. one to ten because we did, we always do from ten to one. I want it to be positive, going upwards. All right, so we're going upwards. You want that's what you yep. want? Yeah, yep. right. go go upwards. So uh, you're rolling our ten-sided die. Number one is Catwoman. All cylinders, the worst movie I think I've ever seen. Two is Cats. Three, Jason X. I always forget about that. That Jason X is in here. Yeah, that's a that'll Four, be fun. Four is Ava. I preemptively apologize for that one every time. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kevin. Five is Six Underground. Six is Real Steel. First of all, that one through five is still rough. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty bad one to five. Fuck. Six is Fuck, Real man. Steel. Seven is Con Air. Eight is Nightcrawler. Nine is Skyfall. And ten is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Don't beef this roll, buddy. I'm not going to beef this roll. You ready for this? I don't believe you, whatever you say. Escalators, escalators, escalators. You're not going to believe it, so I'm going to show it to you. I rolled a nine. Oh, wow. See we that? haven't done a nine yet. We're watching we have not done a nine. We're doing Skyfall, baby. Wow, cool. At this point, Sean's a better roller than me at the moment. I'm way better roller than you at the moment with the average I, I'm, amount. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that, that, that hubris to hit you, baby, with like three ones in a row. Let's I'm waiting see. for it. I know, but we haven't so far because I've rolled a ten, a six. Oh, I, I, no, I, I did the math. I did the math. My current average is a 5.2. Your What's current mine? average is like a 6.7. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Both are approaching the average score, but yours is... Well, you, you have a small sample size. You've only rolled like five times. Yeah, I know, but still, it's, you know... <laughs> well... You, you did, uh, you did you, the bad you're, job. You're also... You're misremembering the actual theme song. Well, is, well, well no, that's the, that's the Bond theme. Now, the actual theme song is... Skyfall! I thought you were going to go for... Skyfall, 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 I was saving that for the podcast when we do it. But yes, we're doing... 100% we are doing Skyfall, the third James Bond by Daniel Craig. Yep, and uh, not the best, I don't think, but the second best. I think it might be the best. I haven't I seen the it... Best. I haven't seen I, it in full in ages. Casino Royale, and I loved Casino Royale. Okay, there might be some uh, recency biasy there, but I, I'm excited to see. That. I haven't seen Skyfall in ages. You know, James Bond's always fun to talk about. Uh, that's all I got on that. Bames John. Now I guess that we have all settled, Kevin. There's one last thing to do. Uh, ben Affleck, come on the podcast, buddy. Yeah, man, you're our only listener, right? Like, you got to come on, right? Like that's how that works. Yeah. We know you wait with bated breath every Friday for this episode, new episode to come out, buddy. Any any moment now, give us a call. Give me a call, Benny. You can call me at nine 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 nine. You you weren't gonna say five 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 oh one two three. Here's the thing: I started off with actually going with my real number, and I was like, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a mistake. No, because no one listens. <laughs> hey, we have a very solid twelve listener group. All right, yeah, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. We don't do this for no reasons. Yeah, I know. And if I actually like spend the time to market it, we could probably get it up to like twenty five. Yeah, yeah. You know, big. You know, those are Dom Hall Gleason numbers. <laughs> Don Hall Gleason numbers, baby. Benny, come on the pod. Benny, come on the pod. All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Next week, we're doing Skyfall. Check it out.